Warning. This episode contains adult language and adult humor. Since when have trumpet players ever been considered adults? If you are easily offended by these types of conversations, consider switching to the oboe. Welcome to the Trumpet Gurus Hang podcast. I'm your host, Jose Johnson. My guest for this episode is Walter White. Walter is an amazing trumpet player, composer, and arranger. From his early days at Interlochen and Juilliard, to traveling the globe with Maynard Ferguson, to recording in his home studio, Walter's love for music pours out of his every note. Sometimes sweet, sometimes fiery, but always genuine. Walter has established himself as a unique voice, both on and off the horn. So pour yourself a big glass, pull up a chair, and let the hang begin. Welcome to this episode of the Trumpet Gurus Hang Podcast. I'm your host, Jose Johnson, and we've got my good friend, Mr. Walter White. What's happening, Walter? Hey, Jose. Nice to see you, man. Miss you. Oh, man. Miss you, too. And, you know, I I can't go any further without uh, saying I love that sporty Robinson's Remedy uh, hoodie that you have on that's uh, very, very uh, stylish. (laughs) Oh, yeah. Well, it's actually... um it's 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 functional as well as stylish because um, we're actually waiting to get a, a new furnace installed and so the the heat's been off in the house and so I'm, my studio is down in the basement and uh, so it's a it's a little on the nippy side but but thank you hey. I, we'll try to get you one I think Richard has to order some more yeah he better get on that man I had a hat and I used to love wearing that hat and I lost it so we'll get you, know. you, we'll get you some swag man I I need the swag I need swag you know because uh you know for those of you who don't know. Uh, uh, Robinson's Remedies uh, produces these really great uh, products for uh, not just brass players, but really everybody. Uh, started out Kenny doing uh, something for his cold sores, and then the, uh, now the the lip renew and the lip repair and the there. Yeah, you can't do a gig without it. And, and Walter is the brand ambassador. Yes, look at that. He's that's the product placement, Kenny. I expect my one million dollar royalty check uh, in the mail. I, I actually wasn't, you know, prepared to do that. I just had it in my my pocket because I was I was doing sessions yesterday, and then I, I started playing at seven thirty in the morning yesterday, and then drove down to Detroit an hour away to to the studio and did more playing, and then and I had to get up and do a couple more hours before this this morning. It's it's right now like 11.15 Eastern time, and yeah, I was recording by 8.30 this morning, so it wasn't intended as a product placement. I actually have it in my pocket most of the time. Yeah, well, I, I'm with you on that. Uh, I, I'm actually surprised to hear you say that uh, you're, you're playing so early. I didn't think trumpet players uh, functioned before much past the like one or two o'clock in the afternoon. This 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 whole uh, last six eight months has been topsy turvy as far as that, and so my my usual late night gigs aren't happening anymore, and uh, you know, and so my my schedule has kind of changed, and so I've been. Um, Danelle, my my significant other, she's a, as well as a professional saxophonist. Um, she's also a professional nurse educator, so she leaves early in the morning, and and that's another reason I I have um, the house to myself, other than the birds and the dogs, um, to to record without disturbing anybody, because you know obviously trumpet is a uh, it's it's a loud instrument and you know and she records for me too as well and um but so yeah yeah the time thing has changed and and it, it and it's kind of crazy it reminds me of when i used to be in high school at interlock and and i'd have to be warming up by seven because you know the orchestra rehearsal would start right right at eight o'clock and i'd warm up and then go grab breakfast which was good good because it gave my chops after warming up time to you know chill out a little bit but yeah, I'm I'm kind of digging it. But yeah, the I I did a couple late late gigs the other day uh, last week, and it was like by eleven, I was like, uh. <laughs> not, yeah, not late chops anymore. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it's it's that you know you build up your your uh, lifestyle to be conducive to staying up until two three in the morning or working actually sometimes until two three in the morning. Um, and then now it's like I I'm the same way, man. It's like ten o'clock hits, and I'm. 
I'm done. Yeah, <laughs> it's nice. I'm in, uh, you know, I'm, I'm respecting the bed more as I get older, you know, but, uh, <laughs> but yeah, it's just been constant playing. And, you know, the other day I did, uh, and it's great. It's been very productive, you know, I, more hours in the day. And um, I've got, fortunately, a lot of things coming across my desk um, project-wise. And so I've been playing more trombone and, um, you know, d doing gospel tracks. I've been doing, you know, commercials. I just did a, a thing for Yesian Music for a, a department store in Germany, um, you know. And so I, I, the other day I played, I think, 12 hours straight. Oh, and then, wow. I was preparing some stuff. I'm I'm the virtual artist in residence, and they're doing a couple of my tunes, so I had to prepare them as well. And and so I'm grateful for the 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 stuff that's coming in. It's it's amazing, and it's keeping me me playing, which yeah. is awesome. Well, cool. And yet, uh, I was uh, real happy when I listened to your newest release, uh, the BBL, BBXL, BBXL. Yeah. yeah. Mm -hmm. um, so. Uh, I mean, I loved it, and then I saw Conrad's name on. I'm like, okay, yeah, and, and of course, you know, you're okay, you're, yeah, you know, and, and that that, that, that <laughs> yeah. Wayne, that Wayne, Wayne, that Wayne guy, yeah, that Wayne guy, whoever he, whoever he is, you know, you could have gotten know. a better, well, you, you could have got a better player to, uh, to sit in on those parts, but uh, I know that yeah, really amazed that Wayne, you know, uh, offered to to, you know, put his his stamp on it, and especially since he's so closely allied with with the, the other big band out in LA there and I hope Gordon's not too mad at me for for stealing Wayne for a few tracks yeah. <laughs> but there's actually a bunch more in the can I, I I had recorded like 14 tunes and it was too much for one CD in fact um, I there's two tunes or three tunes that feature Conrad that didn't even get on this first record so I'm, I'm actually gonna have the second one ready probably in you know five or six months again oh that's awesome yeah. So, yeah, there'll be a there's a going to be a link in the uh, show notes here. Uh, so if you want to uh, check that out, please do uh, stream it, buy it, uh, both. And, well, I just got uh, five hundred in the in the mail yesterday. So order physical CDs from my website. Oh yeah. Well, <laughs> awesome. We'll make sure that happens. I, do they still make CDs? I didn't think they did. Yeah. Uh, I was thinking about doing vinyl too. You know. Oh now, yeah. That's that's the that's the jam right there. I'm, I'm yeah. Everything seems to come around. So now that vinyl's back, I'm waiting for the days that eight tracks actually uh, make a reappearance. So. Uh. <laughs> yeah, that would be cool. Um, mixable eight tracks where you can kind of tweak it. That's another thing. That's another idea that I have about like an, an app for like play along stuff. You know, uh, I might do like a um, a version of the big band stuff minus lead alto, minus lead trombone, minus trumpet, minus drums. You know, so yeah. cats can actually have something to play along especially for drummers I, I was talking to graham hawthorne who's on the record and he's like man there's not a lot of stuff out there for for cats for drummers like for to be able to play along with so yeah anyway yeah, I, re yeah, I remember those old music minus one play alongs i don't know if you remember those you know and uh yeah, yeah that's what i'm talking about yeah yeah, yeah those uh, you know those were great and i i wore out several copies of those but uh and speaking of play alongs i you know I love this. This is going back again. Uh, I love your long tones uh, play along. That's that's in my daily rotation mm -hmm. of stuff to do. So um, that's you know, crazy. What, do you do you uh, still promote that uh, or yeah. is that kind? Of yeah, no. It's I I still sell several copies a week and and several downloads every week and um, the. The first one came out, um, I guess, 1994, and it took me like 23 years, but I finally um, have a second volume, which I can send you. Um, oh, yeah, please. I, have, I don't have any more physical copies of it, but um, it's it's three different or three or four different new key centers and um, with different instrumentation. And um, uh, that was released like last year, I think, just before the, the ITG last year, I, I got it done. And... Um, or maybe it's been two years. Time goes so fast. This, you know, at this point. Um, yeah. But I think it was a year ago, August. But it was great because the the first one I had to go into a studio and had to bring people in a sitar player, a tabla player, you know, all the musicians. Right. 
the, the latest volume, man, I just carried my Porta Studio with me, you know, with my killer microphone and Pro Tools setup and my audio interface. And I, I recorded like guitar players in hotel rooms and bass players and, and percussion guys down in pits uh, when I was on tour. And, and uh, you know, it was great. I mean, and um, in fact, I got a few other keys I want to get done. And, and so um, I'll, se I'll send it to you, man. Oh, cool, cool, cool. Yeah, I, I, I'd love to check that out because... Uh, you know, for those of you who aren't hip to this, um, you know, long tones, I think long tones are the bane of every trumpet player's existence. I mean, you know, it's something that we, we need to do, but we hate to do. <laughs> so when I was a kid, people told me about long tones and I did have that experience and that scared me away from long tones for like 20 years because I did like the first three pages of the Schlossberg book. <laughs> right. Because somebody said, Just, you got to do long tones, but they didn't say how to do right. that. And, mm -hmm rest in between and, and only do, you know, 15 or 20 minutes and then rest. I did, you know, I just kept playing. And as a kid, I, when I couldn't play for like a day, I was like, it freaked me out. I was like, yeah. God. And so for 20 years, I didn't, I didn't get anywhere near long tones. <laughs> yeah, well, you know, I, 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 sometimes I think it's, you know, it has to do with our, our kind of our, our mindset and our approach to life. I mean, I'm one of those people that, that sometimes tends to overdo things. So it's like, if you say, oh, you need to do long tones every day, I'm going to do that, like, you know, hour and a half of long tones. <laughs> and, uh, you know, it, it's, it's easy to overdo things and uh, yeah, I had problems with long tones doing that um, like the Caruso method I, I, I killed myself doing Caruso where I like you I mean I couldn't play for like a week uh, I just you know, completely wrecked my chops doing that but yeah Carmine a little bit mm -hmm. but but I mean you know now I've learned from you know instead of just like reading the book and trying to fake it on my own you know actually learning from people who who know the method and going oh well that's why I, I was having problems. Um, but, yeah. you know, I, I, I yeah, how you do stuff and, and that's, that's, you know, the importance of, of, uh, intelligent practicing, you know, yeah. Which yeah. it's not really discussed as much as it should be. I don't think sometimes. Yeah. Well, and, and that's what I love about that long tone, uh, practice that, that you develop is you're not just playing long tones, uh, but you're, you're having to play them musically. So, uh, you know, you're, you're, you're locking into those tone centers and, uh, I, I like the choice of music because, uh, to me, my, uh, my, you know, area of expertise these days is mindfulness. Um, and to me playing long tones, especially like with your play along is a very meditative practice. You know, you yeah. just, the, you're locked in and you're, you're focused and the music just really helps to enhance the mood. So uh, I, I strongly suggest anybody who wants to have a, a new approach to their long tone studies, uh, grab mm -hmm. Walter CD. It's, it's, it's phenomenal. If nothing else, I mean, just put it on. I, I sometimes I put that on just to, as I'm working as kind of, kind of, you know, some ambient background music. So uh, it's definitely, uh, definitely something that that's worth anyone checking out. When I first recorded the long tone stuff and, and I ran into this guy who uh, was um, he owned a cereal company in California and uh, and he, he was also a trumpet player. And I met him up at Interlochen and uh, I gave him a cassette of the, the music that I was working on for the long tone thing. And he was like really into yoga and he knew this, the Indian guy, Nas, the, the singer, um, maybe he's not Indian, but um, anyway, he he actually convinced me he said oh because i said yeah i'm going to release this as a long tone accompaniment he said oh you should release this as a meditation cd and you know uh, call it you know music music for life and and do this and do that and my company will give you money and sponsor it and we'll put one in every every box of cereal and so <laughs> that's awesome <laughs> so i i still have 700 copies of um walter white um music for life uh -huh. Actually, I think it's Music of Life, I think, something like that. But it's the same three original long-tone tracks, but it's packaged with, you know, these really cool images from Thailand that my friend took. And um, I still probably should try to market that to some, uh, you know, I'll get it up on, on Amazon at least for, for, for sale for people that use that. But, but that that's a testament to what you're saying is that that's, that, that's kind of – 
part of the whole thing. It does put you in kind of a Zen space and, and it is meditative. And I think maybe after all these years of doing it, it's what's kind of kept me centered, not only uh, as a player, but you know, that, that 20 minutes times four sets a day or three sets or six sets, it's, it's 20 solid minutes of doing deep breathing and, 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 you know, 30, 30 exhales of, of 30 seconds each, you know, or, um, you know, each phrase is 40 seconds. And so depending on the register that I'm playing, you know, um, there's more time for reflection than not. <laughs> but if I'm, I'm doing them on double G's, then I have eight measures to reflect. <laughs> yeah. You're reflecting on why the hell am I doing this? Just played that for two measures, and I'm going. Whoa, okay, I need eight measures too. <laughs> yeah, but yeah, cool, man. I'm I'm glad that you dig that aspect of it. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. So, uh, speaking of studio, man, that it looks like a nice little studio setup back there. And uh, for those people who are listening to the audio-only version of this, you're not going to be able to enjoy the view that that Walter has behind him. But uh, he looks like he got a nice little array of uh, of gear back there. Yeah, I wish I had a, a better camera so that I could, you know, uh, show you around a little bit more. But this is the the main monitor where I have my Pro Tools session up and, you know, my controllers and everything. And then uh, my microphone's behind me. I'm using a Royer microphone. It's this one back here. <laughs> Which model is that that you got? Mm-hmm. Which, which Royer is that that you're using? Royer 121. And um, it's the same one that Wayne uses, I, I believe. And um, I, I, I love the sound of it. I, I've, I've actually ABC'd it um, right up against like a, um, a Coles, which Kenny Rampton, I, I think, is using these days. He, he just bought one. And it, um, Neumann U87. And I preferred the sound of the 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 121 mm-hmm. and what you don't see is the all the other instruments that i usually have out i usually have like four trumpets and four flugels and um, a couple of trombones like at my uh you know within reach yeah yeah so that i can go from part to part so yeah but yeah it's 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 something that i invested in and now it's during these times that everybody's investing in their home studios now i've been doing I think I bought my original, these original speakers 25 years ago and my first keyboard like early, early 1990s when, you know, the the home studio stuff was, not everybody was doing it, you know, and um, it it really saved me because when I moved from Detroit to Ithaca, New York um, in 2000, um, I didn't have work for a little while because I was in a new place and it was four hours from New York City and everything, but I was still able to do, um, and this was in 2000, you know, 20 years ago, and um, that was when I first started, I was continued to work with a studio in Detroit that I worked with a lot that did a lot of commercials, the same company that I just did the German uh, department store commercial for, and so I was like, man, I'm glad I invested in a good mic and a good interface and good speakers and learned how to use Pro Tools because it, it kept money coming in. Yeah. Who would have known 20 years ago all the things that were going to happen in, in, in 2000? We didn't have 9-11 yet. We didn't, you know, certainly didn't have this craziness yet. And, and yeah. Like, yeah, yeah. And, and I, I offer consultation to, 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 to pay people that are, are getting into it because I've, I've been doing it for so long. And now with Zoom, I think Zoom actually just didn't, I think they, uh, they don't they offer like a pro version upgrade or something now? Yeah. I'm going to get into that too. So yeah, it's great. You can, I, you know, go in and, and access people's desktops and show them how to use Pro Tools or Sibelius or, or Logic or, you know, you, you got to set this up and, you know, plug this in here and, and do that. In fact, I'm, I'm getting ready to do um, the Jazz Educators Network is virtual, I think, this January, but I submitted a uh, performance proposal and a clinic proposal and they, they accepted the clinic proposal proposal, which I think, um, I think it's titled, uh, how to, how to record, edit, send, and get paid from anywhere. (laughs) So it's kind of like apropos for these times and, 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 you know, and anybody can do it. It's, but, but what it doesn't replace is, is the ability to play different styles and your talent and everything like that. 
And, exactly. And I swear, I mean, it, it helps your playing because I think one of the reasons my playing had, had improved over the last 20 years is because of all the, the home, the, the recording sessions that I've done and, and produced because it's instant feedback. And, you know, you record a track and like, oh man, that attack wasn't good. It's not out of tune. And talk about making mistakes like Jose was talking about, Jose Sabaha. I mean, that's, that's exactly it. I mean, I, I probably make hundreds of mistakes a day, but that's why it's great to be in, in, in the cans because then, you know, it's training you to, to really, yeah. you know, microscope your own playing and really dial it in. And yeah. So it's got it, not only financial benefits to having your recording set up at home, it's, it's great for, you know, um, improving as a player, I think, too. You know, it's, yeah. it's really yeah. uh, uh I mean, I interviewed uh, uh, previously Tom Walsh, a uh, phenomenal uh, trumpet player and arranger in London. And uh, Tom talked about how he got involved with doing home recording basically as a tool to test out his arranging chops. Yeah, he, he wanted to, to see how things sounded. He wanted to That's figure out how it worked. Exactly. That's exactly what happened with me, too, is because, you know, you know, you write stuff, big band scores, and you, you get sick of the MIDI sounds. And so you want to replace the stuff as fast as you can with 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 real stuff. I, I do that to this day. I remember doing that way old school uh, when I was uh, really, really poor, as opposed to just moderately poor and uh, didn't have a didn't have access to obviously digital technology and things like that. But I remember getting two cassette recorders and I would record on one and then I would play it back loud and then softly kind of off to the side, play the second track. <laughs> that was my, uh, my ghetto version of multi-tracking back in the day. Just I, That's how I started. I mean, I, I remember when I was probably with a cassette because I was, my old brothers and sisters were all out of the house. They were like eight, 10 years older than me. And um, so I was by myself a lot and we had a cassette recorder and I had these duet books. I, I probably was in third or fourth grade, something like that. And, and I would play one part and, and, you know, play it back and play along. And I'm, I think that's probably how I started thinking about the whole recording process, even though it didn't make, it make sense until later. But it, yeah, amazing. And it, yeah. it was probably, yeah, in the 70s, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. So you, you mentioned, you mentioned your, your family and stuff. Uh, is music something that's, that's always been a big part of your family life or, or are you the, you're the odd man out? Um, no, not, not, not by any means. Um, although I am the, the only one, I'm the youngest of five and, uh, but I'm the only one that um, pursued it as a professional career. My older brother, William still, um, uh, owns a music store, uh, white brothers music which started out as White Brothers String Shop in 1978 with both of my brothers, and they were repairing and building string instruments. And they, they both played tuba all the way from grade school all the way through high school, and they were very, very good musicians. Um, and uh, my father was a tuba player, but after, after he went into World War II, he came, came back, started a family, started working for GM, and... Um, always loved to be involved in the the local school bands he was like um, an assistant like band director for the memorial day parade he always um auditioned for the the high school musicals when they used the community people and like lived vicariously through me and offered me you know whatever opportunities there were they sent me to interlock and you know um when i was when, when i was young it, it was um in Michigan, uh, since I'm from Michigan, Interlochen's in Michigan, and um, part of their one week out of their year, a lot of the bands from like Ann Arbor, Jackson, Detroit, um, Ferndale, they, they all go up there for a week before school starts to practice marching and their concert band stuff. And that's that's when I found out about Interlochen and, and started going up there. I was the band mascot um, when I was like five years old. And so I got okay. I got to play every instrument. It was like being in fantasy land for me, you know, and um, all the band kids used to come over to my mom and dad's house when I was, when I was a kid. And the, for some reason, I started on tuba, uh, of course, because both of my brothers and right. I still have the sousaphone somewhere. Um, 
it was short-lived i i saw uh one of one of my sister my sister was also a musician too she played flute bass clarinet baritone she taught me my first scale on baritone and her boyfriend was a trumpet player i think or maybe not her boyfriend but one of the guys in the band they came over to the house once with a bright shiny trumpet and played and i was just like whoa bright shiny trumpet and that was it that's and it i got a trumpet that that year and i won the talent show in um third grade playing a medley of herb alpert tunes and uh uh, Pink Panther theme and a couple of commercials like the Frito Bandito. <laughs> right. I was wearing a poncho. It's like not very, uh, you know, wouldn't not, go over today. Yeah, not 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 very PC, but it's okay. <laughs> it's okay. It was it was the times, man. It was the times. Yeah, man, like yeah, 1972. Yeah. yeah. So, but yeah, my family was extremely musical, and um, you know that's for sure. You know. I was a product of that, and and my my first band director in, in in grade school, Max Wood, was a famous Salvation Army band director. He was um, from Royal Oak, Michigan, the Royal Oak Citadel, and was um, very well known across the country, and in fact worldwide, as one of the the top Salvation Army uh, band directors. He was a cornet player, and so he, I my first lessons were with his daughter, who was also. In the, in the Salvation Army Band, and, and as you know, man, they, they always instilled, like, beautiful sounds and, you know, mm -hmm. correct playing, and I think that that fundamental beginning for me was very, very important and um, helped me a lot as far as, you know, um, getting a good sound right off the, the bat. Although, I, I just, I, I, I had a bugle when I was like, my brother was in the Boy Scouts. And so before I knew anything about anything, I was walking around going. Doo, 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 doo. <laughs> so, yeah. Locking in those partials. There you go. <laughs> yeah, pretty much. Yeah. That's what Vakiana used to say. Hey, we're all just buglers. Right. <laughs> Vakiana would have you basically practice bugle calls anyway. Yeah, that's cool. Uh, so, I mean, obviously, then your your you know your family uh, had a, a great deal of influence on you. Um, but who are some of the other people that that you uh, feel that that were kind of instrumental in the the shaping of of who you are as a trumpet player? Oh, um, Louis Armstrong for sure. Um, my mom was really cool, man, and and I would come home from school and there would be like a new record on the table. And um, mostly it was like Louis Armstrong and then Al Hurt. And then one day it was like the Berlin Philharmonic playing Beethoven's Fifth, you know, which, which all of a sudden split my whole musical world into, right. you know, two different directions. Um, yeah, and not only Max Wood and the local players, but then, yeah, these records that I started listening to and playing along with, and I started playing along with Louis Armstrong, one of his records right around the time I was in sixth grade. And so I started swinging the school march and in grade school and, and in the Memorial Day Parade, my dad was leading the band and uh, we came around the corner and I, I started and all the high school kids were like, what? <laughs> dad was trying to go, no, no. But inside he was like, yeah. <laughs> yeah. So Louis Armstrong for sure. And then, you know, Al Hurt and... Um, and then um, the popular music too at the time, uh, Herb Alpert was was happening, um, and it did take me a while to get the Dixieland thing. When I started later on, ten years later, trying to play more modern style, more like Woody and Freddie and everything, to get get that um, Dixieland lilt out of my playing. I still can call it back, but I, it, it was like a conscious effort for me to try and smooth smooth things out a little. Yeah. But yeah, so I used to listen to those records constantly. And and then, yeah, and then Herb Alpert, of course. I mean, um, it was more the music, uh, not necessarily the, the trumpet playing. Uh, and then Chuck Mangione. But before Chuck, it was um, my buddy's uh, father was a big Maynard Ferguson fan. And uh, we had an assignment in, I think, third grade again, where we had to, like, it was an English assignment where we had to bring in a record from school and then write down everything that was on the 
the back of the record, and I I brought in you know, uh, you know some Susan thing or what, whatever, and my my friend Randy brought in um, Maynard Ferguson record uh, like like MF3 or something like that, and I was just like, whoa, what is that? Who is that crazy looking dude? And so we went back to my house after school and put it on, and that was it. That that was the moment. You know, I mean, I'd already had Lewis and and El Hurt and all that, but um, you know the when I, I put that on, that was the life-changing moment for me. And then that was it. And then that was, Maynard was still touring a lot, and he would come through Detroit to play at Clarenceville High School. Midge Ellis would bring him in, and Buddy's band, and Woody's band. And, and um, so my friend's dad would, would take us to see, it, see, see Maynard. And I remember the first concert, and sitting in the front row, waiting to get anointed with the spit coming up. <laughs> or, you know, like, ah. And uh, you know, with Ron Tooley and and all those cats, you know, and then yeah, and yeah. then, of course, then my whole world opened up to 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 everything, and I I went through heavy F- Freddie phase after that, and um, just checking out like everything, you know, then getting into like you know checking out Bud Herseth and and Maurice and getting getting more heavily into that um, because. After high school, I went to Juilliard, and you know my goal was to be you know the next Bud uh, or Vacchiano. That's what I was going to do, you know. But uh, things changed <laughs> when I got to New York, and you know. But yeah, uh, but yeah, man. So the I'm I'm probably forgetting, and then and then later on, I mean, if you want the whole thing, I mean, then when I was in Miami, I started you know getting into more ECM type music and somebody hit me to Kenny Wheeler, which yeah. also was a nice with it, which was also another kind of life shifting moment for me, trumpet playing wise, because uh, I'd kind of already naturally started playing that way a little bit more anyway, a little bit freer. And because I think my classical background and, and uh, you know, all the, the etudes and the other music that was in my mind, I, I, I wasn't really like just a stone cold bebop trumpet player, never was, never never will be. And uh, when I heard Kenny's, Kenny's record, New High, I was just like, whoa. And so I went up to Banff that summer, 1985, 86, 87, and 88, and I spent, you know, um, a whole month with Kenny every summer, um, hanging out with him and learning, and you know, I was his, his assistant. The, the first year I was a, a participant, and then I went up every every summer after that, and we became friends and stayed in touch for many years. And he he influenced my writing a lot. Um, he studied with Nadia Nadia Boulanger, um, counterpoint and everything. So he was an amazing composer and arranger, and um, his improvisations were you know something that you know I thought were very unique and very very personal and. Um, that was that was another big change for me, you know. And then after that, I mean, it, it's everybody that I've been working with, Greg Gisbert and Brian Kaiser and Scott Wendholt and Kenny Rampton and Winton and um, the, you know the guys that I I hang with and and, and have played with are my influences today. <laughs> yeah. So, but yeah. that's that's not well. It, it's 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 uh, really interesting because uh, we're. Uh, what what year were you born in? Nineteen. <laughs> I was born in nineteen sixty three, June. Okay, so you're you're just uh, you're two years younger than me. So, but it it was real interesting because as you're talking through uh, talking about some of those progressions about uh, the music that that kind of spoke to you at those times, I was with you hundred percent. You know because I remember um, you know back back in in that period where. Uh, Herb Alpert, he he was the man, you know. He was on all the television shows, and you know he was you know kind of cool and hip and, and stuff like that. You know, so it's like that was uh, that was uh, one of the the people who kind of started to make me look at the trumpet slightly differently. Uh, yeah, obviously, you know, uh, you know, Doc was was big because oh, yeah. he was on Tonight Show, and and uh, you know Herb Alpert, I mean uh, uh, Al Hurt. Uh, you know, all those people, Louis, uh, you know, Pops, you know, you, you can't you can't talk about trumpet, especially in the jazz world without talking about Pops. But uh, but yeah, that, that eye opening moment was the first time I, I heard a, a Maynard Ferguson album. And it's like, 
whoa, this is not the same instrument. Uh, and, you know, kind of creates these, these shifts and then it, it uh, takes you down a rabbit hole and, uh, you know, uh, uh, Freddie and Woody kind of became like uh, my, uh, you know, the, the, my go-to. And it's just, it's really interesting to talk to someone who's, you know, we're relatively uh, close in age. Geographically, we're relatively close. Yeah. Uh, you know, East Coast kind of kind of guys, Midwest, whatever you want to call it. I was in Ohio at the time. Um, but uh, to see those influences, but, but what's even more interesting to me is that these are, uh, they're cross cultural influences. So, you know, you've got a, a, a half black, half Mexican kid growing up in, in Ohio and Western Pennsylvania. And then you've got, you know, this white guy living in, uh, in Michigan and you, you know, you can still find that point of connection where you can say, Hey man, you know, yeah, this is, this is something that we can agree on. And I just kind of wish that we could, all find those points of agreement a little bit more, especially in the yeah. current climate. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda, you never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. Yeah, they, you know, they don't call it the universal language for nothing. And uh, um, that's, that's a, a, I, I, something I've been thinking about a lot too lately. And, you know, when I was up, up at Interlock and back then, it was nev- never an issue because we had people from you know, 40 different countries all playing music together and uh, a big sign over the stage saying dedicated to world friendship through the universal language of the arts and all that. And um, and then I read somewhere too, you know, it was, I think, a Bernstein quote. Bernstein uh, said something to the fact that if all the world leaders could get together and play music together, maybe we would have a chance for world peace, but you never know. Yeah, yeah. With some groups, it, it creates more chaos. <laughs> yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, but, uh, but but anyway. Yeah, yeah. Well, that's that's really cool, though. Um, so you know, let's let's talk a little bit about uh, your current release. Um, you know, I I mean, I've always loved your playing, and uh, I didn't realize uh, the level of. Uh, Proficiency, proficiency, I can't even say it now. Proficiency. I never realized how damn good of an arranger you are. So those, oh. uh, that, that arrangement of Blue Rondo a la Turk, when it came on, I was just, that is, it's very innovative. Um, it's entertaining. And uh, harmonically, it's exceptionally interesting. I mean, the, the tune itself is, is, is interesting to begin with, just it, it, by its nature. But what you did with that, I thought was just pure genius. And then the playing obviously was, was uh, you know, world-class as well. So uh, what kind of inspired you to, to, to take that kind of really interesting swing at, at Blue Rondo? Um, a commission. <laughs> <laughs> No, seriously. I mean, I I, uh, I was commissioned to write that arrangement for the t- 2013 Detroit Jazz Festival tribute to Dave Brubeck. And uh, but I always loved the tune, and so um, they had a bunch of different arrangers doing different tunes, and that was the one that fell on me. And I, I was I was digging it because I always loved it, the tune anyway. But it, especially since the uh, the. Married to one in the same. Yeah, oh yeah, of course. Algero <laughs> <laughs> Algero, yeah. Um, so you know, I, I, I was happy for the challenge, and uh, you know, they said I could record it after a couple years. You know, um, I had to wait, but uh, I, it was cool because I ran into Chris Brubeck, who. Um, comes to Michigan a lot. He has a group with Madcat Ruth, Peter Madcat Ruth, the harmonica player from Ann Arbor. And he happened to be in town before the festival. And so he he showed me some of the voicings that his dad used. And um, I incorporated those into the chart. 
And then, you know, as with most arrangements, I just kind of like set up the blueprint and then kind of let it inspire me and like see what happens and, you know, start trying a couple different voicings here and, uh, you know, hearing it back and, you know, trying something else. And, you know, that's the beauty of using Sibelius and Pro Tools like that. You can really like hear things ahead of time, um, where it's in the old days, you had to like wait to the rehearsal soul to hear physically or imagine in your head which those cats got really great at and i think that's still a skill that um despite all the computers and stuff that that you know we still need to keep happening is just the you know the, the common sense approach and and that's the way i approach a lot of my charts too is that i go through and i play each part even if it's a second tenor part or a second trombone part and i, I try to make the part interesting and fun for the musician each musician to play not just right. you know, the pete bar beauty fourth trumpet player where you're <laughs> and then go you know and so i think maybe that helps a little bit you know i know other other arrangers maria talks about that and gil and you know just imagine what it's like to to play each part and go through it and like oh well that wouldn't be very cool it would be funner for them and also pacing wise and all that but thanks man i appreciate it it's it's i think i did my first big band arrangement at interlock and in, um in 1979 or something like that for for the high school jazz band and um it was just you know magical to me to see to hear the ideas that i put on on paper coming out of the, the actual instruments you know yeah you know, Zappa has a darker, uh, as, uh, he, he talks about it in a different way. He's like, you know, subjecting these musicians to what I want them to play. <laughs> yeah, yeah. But, yeah. But thanks, man. Yeah, I got a couple new ones coming up, too. I'm trying to, trying to, get, together, to get, get together, too. And, um, but, yeah, it's, it's, it's exciting. I hope that we can go back to a time when, when we can actually perform with, like, a 20-piece big band again. And... Um, we did that at the Detroit Jazz Festival, but it was like I I designed I designed the stage setup so that it, we everybody had space, and I think I'm going to keep the setup because it was really cool. The, the the trumpets were in the back, and then the bones and saxes were on the side. Everybody could see each other, and no one was getting killed by trumpets, and the and they were everybody all the horns were two feet high, and the rhythm section was down in the middle, and so it was it was actually really cool. Yeah. Um, yeah, well, that that sounds. Yeah, you know, it's like yeah, uh, the the situation um, that we're all living through right now is requiring a level of uh, innovative approaches to to things that we've done. You know, we we're we're habitual by nature. You know, uh, and and habit has its has its benefit. You know, you just don't have to think about it. You know, you just do it. Uh, but I think that. You know, just like a, just like with the the concept of home recording, um, I think if more people were thinking about this prior to COVID, we'd be dealing with a, a little bit of a different situation. But mm -hmm. now people are finding that they they have to be a little more innovative in their approach if they still want to get their their music out, if they want to get their their voice out. So um, you know, if if someone is looking to make that transition i know you're, you're saying that you're going to do a, a master class on that um what what's like the first step that you would suggest someone taking if they want to start exploring more into uh doing their own studio work uh you mean home studio stuff yeah home studio stuff yeah um um you have to take a look at um your budget and what what type of stuff that you're going to be doing and um you can always upgrade as you you get further into it um these days um a good quality microphone is is probably imperative because uh and and also an audio interface and there 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 are some good ones out there you don't you know you don't have to get like the, the thirty five hundred dollar professional audio interface you can get one that's a few hundred bucks that's just two inputs and, and two outputs that suits your needs and a good good quality microphone um you don't need to buy a royer which is like a fifteen hundred dollar mic you can you can buy um you know a cascade fathead or you know one something like that um, maybe i'm mis 
mislabeling that, Mike. I don't mean to do any more brand placement, but there's other cheaper alternatives yeah. out there. Um, but, you know, it, you don't want to get the cheapest microphone or interface out there. You want to get something that's, that's like, you know, mid-level and, and because it's really a, a direct it, it, translation of your sound. And the more you invest in the equipment, the more it, it invests in being able to translate your sound to tape. <laughs> yeah. You know? And um, I started out using, you know, just an SM57 hundred dollar sure microphone just so i could figure out how to record myself into the computer and um in fact i was recording just just before i started hooking up the computer back when it was just eight ads and stuff and and i didn't even have the computer linked up it was just recording directly from the board into eight ads and uh, um and then as I got more work doing stuff like that, and I had some some um, more cash coming in I, and justified it, then I invested in, you, you want to have a computer that's um, robust enough to, to handle the, the throughput. You want to have a, a good SSD external hard drive, which are very inexpensive these days. You can get a, a 500 gigabyte external SSD for, you know, 80 bucks, 100 bucks, you know. But the, the the microphone, the audio interface, um, are are the are the two main main things. And then then you have to decide which um, which which uh, DAW that you want to use to the digital audio workstation. And I think that's probably the third thing down the line of importance. Um, maybe the fourth thing after the the microphone interface which could be centered one thing, I suppose, the computer, and then what software that you, that you want to use. And there's, there's a lot of uh, choices as well, and they basically all do the same thing. It's like, you know, a, a digital version of a, an old cassette recorder that yeah. we use back in the day to play duets with ourselves. You know, it's just, um, you know. So, yes, there's Pro Tools, there's Logic, uh, there's Cubase, um, there's Ableton Live, there's Reaper, there's uh, uh, many others. I think I, I'm not even remembering yeah. right now. But, yeah, new ones every day. It seems like you know. Yeah. But in a nutshell, that's that, I think that's that's the general yeah. thing. And then and then figuring out how to use it all. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So yeah, I mean, I've I've heard. Uh, various opinions now everybody usually says you know you know, make sure you, you you got it right on the front end um you know uh but it's the, like the old programmer saying you know garbage in garbage out um but uh you know if you're going to suggest to somebody it's like you know hey they've got yeah i've got i've got 500 dollars to spend on the front end equipment so but to get a mic and, a, and an audio interface uh do you feel it's more important to have a higher quality mic and a moderate quality interface or a higher quality interface with a moderate? I think it's better to have a higher quality mic um, because as long as the interfaces are, you know, uh, able to do 24-bit, um, 48K recording, that's fine. The, the microphone is more important. I've, 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 I've used my, my mic through several different interfaces that I've had over the years with the same microphone and in different studios and all that. And because the mic is so great, it, it, the interface doesn't matter as much, you know what I mean? So I, I think that, uh, definitely get the latest that you can afford. And I think that, you know, the latest ones are USB-C, Thunderbolt three, um, but even Thunderbolt two, even USB, straight usb a or b or whatever it is um is fine too um but yeah mike mike is the way to go for sure and with 500 bucks you can you can for sure get it get into it i mean minus the computer cost that's separate but for 500 for sure you could get um a decent interface and like and a good quality mic yeah yeah, I know a lot of times the you know when you buy a, an audio box, they they throw in a light version of of some DAW in there. Oh, so for whether, sure. you know, yeah. like if, yeah. if 
You, if you buy a, a Personas box, they're going to throw in uh, Studio Live uh, Lite. Studio and, you know. Another one, yep, exactly, Studio Live, yep. And if you buy, the, the, you know, the Scarlet, um, what is it, the... Yeah, they they throw in Cubase and yeah, I mean, right? They are they're all trying to bundle stuff up. Yeah, so you can get free free versions of the stuff. But um, yeah, um, in fact, I I actually am going to be buying a new portable interface because uh, I need a new one too. But yeah. um, I'm not doing as much traveling these days. <laughs> Yeah, well, well, and you have to travel from the basement to the bathroom. You know, you never know where inspiration is going to strike you. I've got a gig upstairs in the living room tonight. <laughs> You're on the road. <laughs> oh man! Well, yeah, I mean, this is the uh, RE20 that I'm talking into, which is like the the traditional broadcast mic. Yes, the it's electro voice, and, and this is good for um, like uh, trombone and lower instruments like that. Mm-hmm. It's actually a good mic too for live stuff. Um, I think Randy Brecker prefers these for like live. Mm-hmm. So, but, uh, yeah, yeah, that's that's great. Um, so, yeah, it, like I said, it sounds like you're doing just a phenomenal job of keeping yourself busy, which is you know it, it keeps you off the streets, it keeps you out of trouble. So, <laughs> <laughs> yes, <laughs> yeah. So. Uh, yeah, let, let's go all the way back to the beginning, and, and you were, uh, you know, we were talking about your your Robinson's Remedies gear. Uh, how did you end up hooking up with Kenny? Oh, uh, man, that's you know that's kind of a funny story. Um, it was after I got off the road in the early '90s, and uh, um, I had moved back to Detroit, and. Um, my daughter Ariana was born in 1992, and um, I was living in Ferndale. And um, word got out that I was available for for lessons, and so um, Kenny called me for for a lesson. And so he came over, and at that point, just like played piccolo trumpet, right? And came over like regularly, and we started recording piccolo trumpet duets. Okay. And, started a business called ceremonial trumpet music where we we booked weddings and stuff and so we started playing piccolo trumpets together and so in the process of recording stuff um i sequenced all the organ parts um so in the studio so we could record the stuff and he started like checking out oh wow this is cool the recording thing so then i started teaching him how to record okay well if we're going to do big band here's that and so we started getting into more stylistic things and um and then i um helped patrick eschen get on the main arts band who was kenny's longtime friend who helped get kenny on main arts band and so that was kind of the beginning of of kenny's uh expansion into the world of commercial music as as it were because he was already a really fine piccolo trumpet player but hadn't been immersed in the studio world or the, the jazz world or the, you know, you know, all that stuff. Yeah. Right. Right. Um, that was like, cause I think he had just basically just gotten out of Wayne state a couple years earlier than that. And so we, you know, we became great friends and, um, you know, um, I was kind of like his mentor for a while. And then after I moved away, we kept in touch and, and, um, I also had, occasional problems with cold sores but i was around right when we started doing early tests on a lot of different um um ways to to heal them in fact we used this one thing that was really terrible that was put an electric shock you know you, you hit the button it goes <laughs> <laughs> shock therapy i think every trumpet player needs shock therapy at some point so and you put it yeah, and and so you know um but i i never was suffered from them to the extent that Kenny did. And so um, I remember all the, you know, several years of of trial and error and research and trying this and trying that, and then, you know, getting into the, the BHT and um, all that. And, and I was around for the, you know, all of that. And so um, once it came time to, you know, they've, they've found a formula that, that actually worked um it was amazing you know and so we 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 checked it out and um 
obviously the the lip repair was the first thing to come out and um it worked wonderfully that first first thing and that that's when we started noticing not only does it help prevent and cure the the cold sores very quickly and prevent them but hey man it actually it's making my chops feel good too and like yeah. wow what is that oh and it's that oh okay so then they amped up the you know the, the arnica and the, the things that that help reduce the swelling so that's that's how kenny and i met and you know we, we we've been um, good buds ever since and uh in fact i i just talked to him last night so yeah, so I mean, that's uh, certainly I, I, I miss the hangs uh, because I think the last time, actually, the last time I saw you in person was uh, ITG in Anaheim. Oh, yeah. Uh, yeah, because uh, you were there with, with Kenny and Richard, was and Hershey. I was. Was Hershey before? Oh, no, no, Hershey. That's right. That's right. Hershey. That's That was the last time we saw each other. Yeah, yeah, because yeah, that was just like right down the road from me. So. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, but yeah, uh, yeah, you guys were staying in the. Thing in the the RV and yeah. <laughs> party yeah. in the RV. That was so, yep. Yeah. So I mean that that's certainly something that that's missed and just that camaraderie and just uh, you know hanging out and just getting the chance to to talk with people and and know people and and that's you know that's what this show is all about. But anyway, so I, I know you're a busy we'll man. So again, though, I think what was that? We'll give a chance. Oh yeah. Again. Oh yeah. Absolutely. Absolutely. It's for a reset here. Yeah. Well, you know, I'm, I'm actually not opposed to the concept of social distancing when it uh, comes to being around trumpet players. I think there no, should I be plexiglass. Yeah, I'm <laughs> there with you, man. Yeah. So yeah, keep your distance, guys. All right. Well, here's what we're going to do. We're going to we're going to end the, the this episode like we always do. We're going to do a little speed study. So uh, these are a series of questions that I just want your fastest response to. They're going to be all over the place. So flexibility is the key. So, oh, my all right, here we go. Uh, we'll start with the first question for you, Walter. Who's the biggest influence on your life that is not a trumpet player? My father. All right, what's your favorite book? Zen and the Art of Motorcycle Maintenance. Ah, okay, good. That, one's, that one was brought up before. Uh, what's the worst movie you've ever seen? Oh, geez. Um, that's a hard one. There's been, there's been a lot of them. <laughs> I can't, you know, I can't think of one right off the top of my head. Um, next question. Okay. Next question. Uh, you can call the lifeline on any of these if you need to. Okay, yeah, let me go. I'll get back to that one. Okay. <laughs> okay. Couple. Um, if you weren't a trumpet player, what would you want to be? I'd be a chef, an executive chef. All right. What's your favorite drink? Uh, water. Mm. No, high pH water, actually. <laughs> These days, anyway. Other than that, I love mango lassies. Ooh. I was just jonesing for one of those the other day. I don't know why. Uh, I got to find a good one. Non-alcoholic or alcoholic? I mean, uh, whatever, man. Well, I'm, I'm not drinking, so... Um, I would say, even if I was drinking mango lassies, it got to be right up there at the at the top. Yeah, see, I I, I think I need to figure out how to make those myself because then I'll be a lot happier. Dude, it's very easy. I'll send you a recipe. Okay, coolness. All right. Uh, uh, now that you're a uh, a chef, uh, you're going to throw a dinner party, and you're going to be able to invite any three living people to that dinner party. Who would you invite? Well, I'd invite you. Oh, yeah, yeah, right. <laughs> if if uh, I'm on the top three list, man, your life is worse than I thought. <laughs> oh, man. No, dude. Um, any three living people? Any three living people. Probably my, my, my brothers and sisters. Oh, man, you're just, you're just that Zen kind of dude, man. I'm digging it. Um, okay, same. So at the same dinner party, you, you're going to have three additional seats, but they're for any three people from history. If you can invite oh. any three people from history, who would they be? Oh, I would say probably Mozart, um, Stravinsky, 
and and probably um, Gandhi. Mm. Uh, lacquer plated or raw? Lacquer. Okay, good. What's your favorite quote? Straight ahead and strive for tone. Boom. What is your greatest fear? Fear itself. Mm, okay. You could be granted one superpower. What would it be? Uh, I would say probably mind reading. Sometimes reading minds is a very short book, you know, it's like reading a paragraph. Yeah, I don't know why I would say that. I mean, there's, sure, there's a million things, you know. Yeah, yeah. But yeah, yeah. I'm reading is a good one. Uh, what aspect of trumpet playing do you feel is the most overrated? Um, besides the high register, um, I think that's probably the most overrated thing that, that High notes. Uh, what aspect do you feel is the most underrated? Um, high notes. <laughs> 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 no, I think um, I think style is one of the aspects that's you know underrated uh, stylistic. Um, you know, sure everybody wants to be great technicians, but. Um, for me, I, I overlook uh, articulation a lot too, but in a general sense, style, I think, you know, and and high notes maybe being overrated is, is maybe because I, I can play high notes, I say that, but I, if I couldn't, I would probably wish I could. So I, yeah. I, I, those are hard questions, man. Yeah, yeah. That's why I ask them. I ask the hard, I ask the tough questions. They should have me moderate the next debate. Right. Uh, <laughs> you can go back in time and give yourself one piece of advice about music. What would it be? Um, listen more. Okay. Listen, uh, more, listen, to more, listen to more music. All right. So uh, you're also going to give yourself one piece of advice just about life in general. Um, always try to be the best person that you can be and be kind. Okay. And, you know, as far as the, the question before that was what? Uh, what advice would you give yourself about music? Oh, yeah. Right. Yeah. Yeah. And listen, listen to more music. And, um, and also I, if I can add an addendum to that, um, something I wish had, people had hip me to is uh, study the business of music. That, that, that's, that's cool, man, because uh, actually, uh, you know, I've always said that I think that you know, artists and athletes, uh, that should be part of their education. You know? yeah. Actually, I think everybody, everybody should be taught how to, how to manage yeah. money and business. You know, we'd be in yeah. a lot better shape. For sure. Right. All right. Here's your final question. What do you want your legacy to be? That I was a, a, a good father and a kind person. Mm. Okay. Well, that, that's a great legacy to have, you know? So Walter, I want to thank you for uh, spending some time with me today. I know that you're a busy man. You're, uh, you know, you're got, you've got so much going on. Uh, please, if you have not checked out Walter's latest release, uh, please give it a listen. It's available on streaming services and you can buy an actual physical copy of that CD, BBXL. Um, and uh, <laughs> yeah, uh, it's, uh, it's, it's got some, some tremendous playing uh, and uh, some tremendous writing. So it's, it's worth a listen. And um yeah, Walter, any parting words of wisdom for our listening and viewing audience? Uh, just keep hanging on, man, and uh, we'll all get together soon. Straight ahead and strive for tone, peace, love, and music. Um, live long and prosper. prosper. <laughs> <laughs>
<laughs> All right. Well, thank you for joining me on this episode. And for those of you listening and watching, uh, just as Walter said, man, just keep, keep moving forward, baby. All right. So that wraps it up for this episode. And as always, peace and slide grease. We are out. Hey, thank you so much for hanging with us today. This podcast is all about creating connection through our mutual love for the trumpet life. I hope that you learned a few things about today's guest and had some laughs along the way. Don't forget to give us a review. We love those five-star ratings. And please share this podcast with your friends. We want to see our hang grow for show. Have a suggestion for a future topic or a guest? Hit me up at thetrumpetgurus at gmail.com. Our opening theme was written and performed by Lexi Signor, and all other music comes courtesy of The Greatest Funeral Ever. So in the words of W.C. Handy, life is like a trumpet. If you don't put anything into it, you don't get anything out. So go out there and let your trumpet sound, and I'll see you at the next hang. <laughs>